Welcome to Ask the Dean. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm the co-founder of MAPT. I'm joined every week by Rachel Grubbs, the other co-founder of MAPT, who has 20 years' experience in the pre-med and test prep world, and by Dr. Scott Wright, former executive director of TMDSAS and former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Medical School. Ask the Dean is a weekly Q&A we do live exclusively for our MAPT members, and this podcast is a recording of that session so that everyone can benefit from that knowledge. Let the knowledge flow. Ask the Dean, episode 108. Hard to believe we're over 100. We just keep trucking. So I am Rachel Grubbs. Fear not, Dr. Ryan Gray will be here shortly. He's having some technical issues, but he'll be chiming in just as soon as he can. So you are still getting um, a majority of the MAPT advising team this week. Dr. Scott, oh, thank you, Verenia. Throw up the banner for me. If you don't know me, I'm the MAPT co-founder. I have 20-plus years' experience in MCAT and the pre-med process of um, just advising throughout all of that. Um, and I also know a little something about mindfulness, which has been kind you of did. relevant lately, I think. <laughs> uh, Dr. Scott Wright, let's, let's get hello, you on. Hello, hello, hello. How, how is everybody doing today? It's uh, beautiful sunny weather and a hundred and gajillion degrees in Texas today. So, woohoo! <laughs> um, so for those of you who don't know, Dr. Wright is the former director of admissions at UT Southwestern Med, retired executive director at TMDSAS, so the Texas Centralized Application Service. And he's so qualified, we can't even put it all on the banner. I know, right? So <laughs> you know, the title, Ask the Dean, originally came because... Dr. Wright, you are the former associate dean of UT Dallas, uh, yeah. if I, memory serves, yep. uh, associate dean of undergraduate education and director mm-hmm. of pre-health programming. Yep, yep, yep. Highly qualified individual you are. Uh, that's what I've been told. We'll see. If- <laughs> um, so, uh, like I said, uh, Dr. Wright, sh- or Dr. Wright's right here. Dr. Gray, Ryan should be joining us shortly. Not here with us this week is Verenia Granham. She's a little under the weather and she's got some student appointments later. So she's resting now to be sure she can honor those other commitments. Um, also not with us this week, but will be with us next week is the newest MAP team member, Courtney. Lewis. Um, So she is a former director of admissions um, at an osteopathic med school um, out in Las Cruces, New Mexico, and um, has wrapped up her work with them and will be joining our team starting next week. So you guys will see her soon. We're very excited about that. Um, And uh, uh, we may actually be changing the name of this this live Q&A we do. We've been calling it Ask the Dean, which works for Dr. Wright and works for former Dean Verenia Granham. Um, but we're thinking we maybe need to pick something a little more general. So maybe it'll mm-hmm. be Ask Mapped or Ask the Expert. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you guys have ideas for a, a, a name that kind of reflects the larger Mapped advising team, please feel free to type in the comments and we'll consider it. Sounds good. All right. Well, looks like Ryan might be joining us shortly, but let's go ahead and uh, there he is. Hello. Whoop, whoop. We're so happy you're here. Okay? You, you sound, sound okay right. and you no longer look fuzzy. 
<laughs> oh, that's good. I shaved. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You didn't miss much. We were just doing intros, talking about Brene being out, talking about how excited we are to have Courtney joining us next week. And we were just about to chime in with some questions, which now yes. I don't have to read because you're here. You don't have to read. If you give me two seconds, I'm going to get uh, IG Live up, and then we will uh, we'll go. All right. Well, so while, uh, while Ryan's doing that, maybe, Scott, you and I can talk about yes. the season. So yes. we'll go ahead and yes. put this question back down for a minute. Um, right now, what's happening in the world of application people, people who are applying this year? What's, what's top of mind for them? Yeah, top of mind for most of the applicants uh, that are applying this year uh, would be secondary applications. Uh, Mm -hmm. Most of them, many of them uh, have either submitted the primary or are very close to submitting the primary and uh, are now in the throes of getting those secondary applications and uh, developing responses to them, et cetera. And so uh, our suggestion uh, is uh, that we, we uh, would like to see for, for most students a, a two to three week turnaround time for secondaries. So for students that are involved in that process at this point, if, you, if you've got extra time, you need to be pre-writing uh, based on the uh, um, uh, prompts uh, from uh, from this year, uh, which are largely available, and uh, and then uh, be ready to uh, to submit those in a in a very timely way, so that uh, you're on the front end of uh, being reviewed. Definitely, and if you had uh, one big takeaway for secondaries, what's what's I mean, there's a million. So just mm-hmm. what's a takeaway to think about when you're doing secondary work? Answer the question. Um, <laughs> very important. Uh, you know, with secondary applications, it's it's much more focused. Uh, it's much more uh, straightforward. Uh, not a whole lot of storytelling generally uh, in uh, secondary apps. They're going to ask a question. Make sure you understand what they are asking and then respond to it in a straightforward way. Uh, most of the secondaries do not have uh, lengthy character counts or word counts, so you're asked to do it in a, in a pretty uh, concise way. So, But just make sure you understand what the question is and then respond to the question. Indeed. Yeah, I completely second that. And then I would say the second big lesson is prompt turnaround does matter. Um, we're kind of at this point, mostly beyond the pre-writing stage, because if you're submitting your primary app now, you might start to get some secondaries on automation immediately. But um, don't sit on these till October, right? Um, right. I, I've seen a lot of people get fixated because we'll say, you know, aim for a week or two, and then, you know, someone will ask me some micro question of, well, 40 came in at once, and now I don't know which ones to do first. Like, you, you probably do, right? Pick yeah. the school that's your dream school, do it, yeah. move on, right? Like, don't, right. don't, um, the term I think is uh, paralysis by analysis, and I, mm. I'm guilty of it. But mm. like, don't fret too much. Just pick something and do it, and then pick something yeah, else right. and do it, and you'll yep. get through them. <laughs> yep, yep. Tis true. Right. I think. Uh, well, we mostly have Ryan's face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. I'm. Uh, I, I'm wondering. I have. Uh, some some sinking going on. So I'm going to pause that and see if that'll help out. 
Because okay. I'm getting warnings that my connection is not good, but my internet is super, super strong. So I'm not sure what's going on. And I'm wired. I'm wired in. I'm wired in, people. I'm like plugged in like the Matrix. Oh. Anyway, I, I suppose I should read this question that's sitting in front of me now. <laughs> I can take it if you want to trust your text some more. I, I didn't put it up there. I think Veronica's was like, chop, chop, guys. <laughs> Enrique asks, can non-clinical volunteer activities still be medically related? Can non-clinical volunteer... So I'm not sure if he's asking, like, can they or should they be? Mm. can uh, they be yeah like you can yeah, volunteer sure. for like uh um what do you call that the children's miracle network that's somewhat mm-hmm. medically related because mm-hmm. you're raising money for the care of, mm-hmm. of the health care costs for kids mm-hmm. but that's not technically clinical right. experience yeah. so yeah. i'm not i'm not fully understanding the point of this question but yeah yeah, and I, I, I see a lot of students who do like Susan G. Komen Foundation for uh, uh, breast cancer awareness. And so they do the race for the cure kind of thing. And so it's tangentially sort of related to med- medical issues and stuff, but not really clinical. So I, I sort of get it. And I, I would say absolutely, yes, uh, they can be medically related. All right. So Robert asks, incoming college freshman here, if I got a five on AP bio and AP cam, would you still recommend retaking those classes in college? Yes, I would. Yeah. Unfortunately, this weird like uh, and I I didn't suffer from this because I didn't take any AP classes in high school. I was I was not an overachiever. Um, Not every medical school accepts AP classes for prereqs. And so the safest bet is to take the classes over again, build that foundation up, and then go on and take those higher division classes as well. Absolutely. Agreed. Uh, I'll add to that, that learning STEM in college is just crazy different than learning it in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're lucky enough to have taken AP level courses, and, you know, I mean, in this case, Robert got a five. That's amazing. But even for someone who took an AP and didn't, do well enough to take the exam or took the exam and got a three, you're going to be grateful that you have a foundation on something that you then get to relearn at college pace. So it can kind of help you understand how to apply your study skills to the college pace of STEM because it requires a lot more independence. Like I know often in high school, you're kind of thinking, I'm tired of being babied. I can't wait to get out of here, but but you, you will be surprised how much you miss those high school teachers who really made sure the class, at least most of the class understood a concept before they moved on. Um, Cause it's, it's, it's lightning, lightning right. fast in college. And yeah. that's a drop in the bucket compared to how fast it is in med school. So, so yeah, the bummer news is I agree with Ryan. You need to retake those courses. The good news is mm-hmm. you're going to be glad you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amy asks how to answer what personal attribute attributes align with the DO philosophy. I tried to write about service, community, resilience through academics, but I'm not sure if it answers the question about DO. It would be really wonderful if this question came in next week when we had our new advisor, Courtney, on with us, yeah, who is the yeah. former, um, the, the most recent director of admissions at uh, Burrell College of Osteopathic Medicine. Um, so the the question, un- unfortunately, is is a hard one to for us to answer for you because it's 
personal, right? It's like mm-hmm. personal attributes. And you have to figure out what the deal philosophy means to you, tie those in with your personal attributes that you think connect with that, and then write the essay around that. So it's, it's kind of hard to, for us to tell you what it's all about. But if you think service to community and resilience through academics align with the deal philosophy, if that's your feeling of the deal philosophy, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Agree with that completely. Balkaran, how much can average secondary responses hurt your application? I'm not a good writer, so I struggle to incorporate a lot of storytelling personal experiences into my secondaries. Good news, as uh, Dr. Wright, you just mentioned, we don't need a lot of storytelling in secondaries. We need you to dis- just uh, ATDQ, answer the darn question. <laughs> ADTQ, man, ADTQ. Um, that's a shirt <laughs> or a sticker or whatever. Um, yeah, just, just answer the question. So yeah. sub- it's subjective, right? What is an average secondary response? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. Yep. JB asks, I was a camp counselor for the intellect and developmentally disabled bathing, feeding meds. Um, but most of my duties were non-clinical crafts, camp activities, etc. Should I categorize this as clinical? Rachel? Well, JB, I'm going to start by suggesting that you already know the answer because <laughs> you put it in your comment. You say, and I quote, but most of my duties were non-clinical. So would you count non-clinical duties as clinical? No, you wouldn't. Um, I think you have two choices here. If you've got plenty of clinical elsewhere, then just, hey, I was a camp counselor and that's meaningful work and you don't have to try to sell this anything. If you did a substantial amount of clinical work as part of your job, you could consider dividing this activity into two categories. So one, you know, let's say you did a thousand hours at the camp, maybe 800 hours were non-clinical and 200 hours were clinical. Um, You obviously can't double dip, but you can divide. You just then have to decide. I mean, especially for AMCAS, you only get 15 um, activities. Is this one so valuable that it's worth taking up two and being classified two different ways? So there's no right or wrong here, um, but you have to decide how you want to make a case for it and how it fits into all your other activities. I would definitely say you asked specifically about categorizing. So I'm, I'm answering a question you didn't ask. If that's the only clinical you have, go get more clinical. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. <laughs> Marie asks I took the MCAT two weeks ago which left me pretty burned out I'm having a hard time jumping into writing secondaries where should I start Rachel you were just talking about this so Marie I don't know you might have been typing while I was talking or you might have joined later I was just saying no paralysis by analysis um Don't kill yourself thinking about where to start. Pick a school and start. A minute ago, I said, pick your dream school, but maybe you're terrified to do your dream school and that's overwhelming. So just pick another school. Mm -hmm. Um, If if you spend too much time thinking about how to do it, it'll, it'll end up feeling like a waste. Just jump in, do one essay of one school, find out that it's not that bad and then do another. Right. And, Mm -hmm. You know, it's okay to write a whole bunch of rough drafts and then go back and polish them, but um, start getting some fingers on keyboard or at least voice recording so that you Mm -hmm. can do voice to text later. 
Yeah. Yeah. I actually had a conversation with a student yesterday for an Ask Dr. Gray recording. And and our general recommendation, as you mentioned earlier, is like start at the school that you want to go to first, like your dream school, and then get that one off and then do your next one. And the student was like, well, actually, doesn't it make sense to do the reverse of that so that your fifth essay or your 10th essay um, is better because you've been writing and you're polishing them a little bit more. And so your dream school comes a little bit later because you're going to be able to write the essays better. And I was like, that's one way of doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no right or wrong, right? If I were pre-writing, I would probably definitely take that tack, right? But now that I'm up against deadlines, I mean, again, maybe top, maybe dream school's not first, but I would do it pretty soon just to be sure it got back soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, again, uh, I mean, Marie, I don't want to project, right? Because I myself am guilty of paralysis by analysis. But it's, it's, you're saying you're having a hard time jumping in and writing secondaries. So don't think about where to start. Just start. Yeah. Um, and they aren't that bad. Do one. Find out that it's not that bad. Yeah. Don't uh, overthink it, right? Yeah. Daniel asks, I have a question. Some schools recently started using CASPER, all capital letters, <laughs> uh, as part of their secondary application. Um, it's not relatively recently. A lot of schools are using them. Uh, how does that affect the process if they added the requirement in the middle of the cycle? Um, I, they wouldn't have added in the middle of the cycle. So maybe their website updated a little bit later. Um, but Casper has all of that data uh, and information. So uh, I'm not really sure, Daniel, what, what information you're running off of, but it, it wouldn't be um, kosher for the admissions office to change admissions policies mid-cycle. So Correct. They, they know way, well beforehand, and, and the contracts that they're signing with Altus, the company that does Casper, all of that hap- has to happen way sooner than uh, in, in the middle of the cycle. So right. yeah. you got some right. bad info somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's also my perception. And I kind of wanted to, like, I often feel like there's a question hiding behind the question. Yep. And if you're saying, I just found out because of whatever reason that Casper is added, or I perceive that they just added it in the middle of the cycle, if it's on the school's website right now that they need Casper, and like Ryan said, more importantly, if Casper says we go to the school, then you got to do it. Yeah. Like it doesn't, doesn't matter. I mean, I don't, again, again, it, it seems hard for me to believe it was added late. It seems more likely that you had bad Intel, but if Cas if Casper has that school right now and you're applying to that school, then we're in secondary season, get it done. Yep. You can do it. Harrison asks, is doing bad on snapshot going to affect my application? Okay, this is the second time people have done effect when they mean affect, so I'm going to post a link for you, friends. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) It will effect my application. Um, Yes, Uh, it could, right? Mm -hmm. That's the answer. Mm -hmm. The, The question ultimately is, how is the school using snapshot in their admissions decisions are they using it as data collection are they using it just to see are they whatever so they could Uh, my understanding is that not a lot of schools are using snapshot so i wouldn't i wouldn't be concerned and uh, you know the other thing i would say about snapshot is it 
it's pretty simple. It's it's pretty straightforward. You know, yeah. it's not super complicated. It's just, you know, getting a snapshot of who you are and uh, what you feel like is important uh, relative to the questions that are asked. There's only a few questions that they ask and you don't, you only have a couple of minutes to, to uh, talk about those questions. So, you know, if, if you're going to have problems with snapshot that there are larger issues uh, yeah. in, 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 in store for you than, than snapshot. Yeah. And, and just a reminder, um, because I'm, I'm friends with one of the co-creators of Casper and Snapshot and Duet, that there's a lot of confusion. I actually just answered this question in one of our Facebook groups. If you do Snapshot for one school because they require it, Altus is not going to send Snapshot or Duet to all of your Casper schools. They will only send Snapshot and Duet to the schools that request it. Mm-hmm. So... If you send Casper to 10 schools and you do snapshot because one of them requires cat, uh, snapshot, snapshot is not going to go to the other nine schools that is also getting your Casper score. So have no fear. Good to know. Knowing the is more you the know. G.I. Joe. Um, Blake asks, all my clinical experience comes from scribing at a podiatry clinic. It was the best financial option for me. Will this be a red flag? And am I going to get a lot of why not podiatry questions? Maybe. Definitely yes to the second part, right? Mm-hmm. You're working in a podiatry mm-hmm. office. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you interested in podiatry? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Scribing is great. Scribing is scribing. I, I think I personally consider, as the physician in the group, I consider podiatry equal to MDDO. It's just Mm -hmm. different schooling, different focus. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's the closest thing out there to, to MDDO. So -hmm. I don't think it's a huge red flag in terms Mm of um, you being at a podiatry clinic. And, and you can say like, if if they ask, why were you at a podiatry clinic and not a meta, whatever clinic um, you could say that was just, it was the job that was open and paid the best and supported me during my time as a pre-med. And here's why I don't want to be a podiatrist and why I want to be a doctor. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't believe TLC has like a whole show on, on podiatry. feet, on podiatry. It's, it's yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> Clean your feet, people. Uh, Jennifer asks, what counts as a disadvantaged essay? I have a YouTube video about the disadvantaged essay and who can write it and who should write it and who can't write it. Um, Scott, for you as a former director of admissions at a medical school, um, TMDSAS didn't have, it doesn't have a disadvantaged essay, but it does have the optional essay that students potentially could use as a disadvantaged essay. Correct. My general stance around disadvantaged essay has, at least the language that I'm using more currently is, Use it as a context essay. If there are things in your life that have held you back from being the best possible pre-med that you can be, right? Uh, and, and thinking about it in those terms, because a lot of people will say, well, the disadvantaged essay is only for uh, financial issues, only for this, only for that. And I'm like, well, why? Why, why, yeah. why not this other thing? So, so one... Uh, it was on Reddit recently and a student, um, I, I think the student 
came out as as a, a part of the LGBT community, I think, and from a very religious kind of conservative family and her family kind of shunned her and kicked her out of the house. And so she was homeless for a little bit, um, but kind of uh, got back together and, and healed that relationship a little bit. But there's still lots of turmoil in the house and, and, and lots of back and forth. And people were like, well, your family's well off. So that doesn't count as a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why? Why not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why not? If, if, And actually, it wasn't. I added LGBT. It was more. It was a super conservative religious family where women shouldn't go into Mm. higher education and stuff like that. Mm. And now you have this daughter who is saying, "Hey, I want to be a doctor," and they're like, "No, like that's not your role in this family." Mm. And so she's constantly, every day she's home, has this um, this uh, messaging that her education is worthless. Her, her dreams are, are not good. And I was like, sounds like a great disadvantage to say, cause it yeah. gives context to everything else that you're doing. Yeah, I completely, I, I completely agree with that. And I think that often I, I've heard it uh, quite often that students uh, will, will, will respond to that a question about the disadvantaged essay or, or, uh, and and be like, well, I don't feel disadvantaged, or I don't, yeah. you know, I don't consider myself disadvantaged. And so I think I, I think even the student themselves needs to have some level of of contextualization mm-hmm. to understand, you know, what is what are they talking about when they when they talk about disadvantage? And I think that you have to think broadly about your life and about what's gone on in your life and what the context is of your family and your family situation, whether it's economic or, or whether it's socioeconomic or whether it's educational. Uh, you know, so I, I agree with you, Ryan, that I think what you're trying to do is give the admissions committee some context for understanding what you've been through in life and how you feel like it's affected you and were there disadvantages involved in, in, in what you were going through, whether it was family situation, as you've described, or, or some other type of uh, situation. And it, and it doesn't have to be uh, an, uh, you know, a, a good example is my father was uh, uh, unemployed for three years in the middle of my uh, high school and, and uh, college experience, and it meant a lot to us because we had to scrape by and, and it really challenged us in terms of uh, income, et cetera. Now, maybe now everything's cool and, and dad's got a job and everything's, you know, back to sort of, you know, quote, normal, but the disadvantage still existed because you were under a, an extreme, you know, situation. So it doesn't have to be something that is, uh, you know, uh, uh, has been since you were born kind of thing. It, it can be something that was even mo- momentarily uh, a challenge for you and or your family. Oh. Big nods. Yes. Let's see. BB, not eight, 23. I'm doing a do-it-yourself post-bac as a career changer, 4.0 GPA from undergrad, and so far the same for my science prereqs. Is doing only one class a semester while working full-time really an issue? <laughs> All right. Scott, these are some of our favorite questions because is yeah. it really an issue? Well, it really could be an issue. Could be. At right. a school, at, yeah. at one school. Yeah. Um, so... 
at, yeah, at the mean, end of the day, I, do what you can do, right? Yeah, that's right. You have to you have to do whatever you can do, and and uh, if there are questions about that, that that a medical school admissions committee member or an interviewer might have, then you respond to it the best way possible. But the the end at the end of the day, you you can only do what you can do. And if doing one one uh, class at a time is is all that you can do while working full time, then then that's what you do. That's the answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excretion? Execration? Uh, I'm doing public health research. My title is, quote, student research assistant. I'm putting together data, quality assurance, and help write reports for the county of San Diego. Is this still research? Maisha, what do you think? I got sidetracked because I was researching what execration meant. <laughs> it's the act of cursing or denouncing. Also, the oh. curse so uttered. Oh, okay. I'm an execrator. <laughs> All right. So, um, <laughs> execration, uh, you're doing public health research. Is this still research? Yes. Research doesn't have to be uh, medical or like wet lab science. Yep. Um, there, are, There is social science research. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, if you've been a listener for a while, you know that we think research is an overrated activity for pre-meds. It matters a lot in med school for, um, for residency that matters less unless you're, you know, going to do MD-PhD. So you sh- if you like doing research, that's great. You should do it and you should do whatever research interests you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. BK, I unfortunately found three typos. Uh oh, in my AMCAS application work activity descriptions. Two tense mistakes like became instead of become, and one mistake where I had an extra me. How much will this hurt my cycle? So, Scott, I, I think the general rule is is two typos is okay. Three is is definitely um, <laughs> you should you should just pack it up and yeah, just you know go give, give, give up on this year for sure. <laughs> I'm kidding, BK. I'm kidding. <laughs> don't don't run, BK. Stay with us. <laughs> no, I, I mean I think it's not good. Uh, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I think it is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it at this point. Uh, you know, I would say uh, just move forward and, and try not to obsess about it. Yep. Uh, you're, you're probably kicking yourself for having done that. The applications are a lot of stuff. There's a lot there, and it's very difficult to uh, um, – to you know, think about proofreading, but my, my general uh, rule of thumb is if you use your keyboard to input something in the application, it's got to be proofread. Blame it and, on the keyboard. Yeah, blame it on the keyboard, right? But I would say, um, and, and my, my encouragement is, is often to proofread it multiple times. If you can have somebody else proofread it, that's a good, good idea. But then also uh, proofread it to yourself out loud uh, and do it slowly so that you're really hearing yourself do it as well as reading it. And, uh, you know, you're getting multiple uh, of your senses involved in that process. So slowly and out loud, uh, very important. 
Yeah, it's a strategy that um, that writers use. Uh, it's, it's a strategy that was recommended to me for like proofreading my books that I've written um, is is read out loud because that's yep. where you catch the mistakes. Yep. Now, yep. the good news is that these are human beings reading the essays, right. not computers. Well, eh, sometimes computers are, uh, right. but they're they're the humans reading the essays are probably going to do the same thing that you did. And the other people reviewing your essays did is they'll change it in their own head as they're reading it and probably won't even notice it. Right. Small stuff like that. It'll be okay. Someone may notice it and go, Oh, look a typo. Oh, you're not perfect. Oh, well, right. Mm -hmm. Um, It's nothing egregious. I, I think you'll be okay. Me when I find a typo, execration. Yes, exactly. Maria, I really appreciated you applying your learning. So that's, what I that's great. Make me happy when people take the general information and apply it to themselves personally. That is wonderful. I love that. You know, I, I will say, uh, I, I remember one year uh, uh, reading an application and this, this poor student uh talked throughout the application of their desire to go into surgery and they misspelled surgery every time. Mm. Yeah. S U R G U R Y was how they yeah. spelled. That, and that's not good. Right. And, not and there's good. a joke in the ophthalmology world, right? If you, if you can't spell it, you're not going to be yeah. one. Right. Um, right. So, so I, I want to know um, if someone has kidney stones and I'll knock on wood, I've never had a kidney stone. Do they have urination execration? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a guess that they do. Uh, okay. okay. I mean, I have not had kidney stones. Uh, again, hopefully that's been a combination <laughs> of luck and drinking water. But my mother has had kidney stones and two children, and she says casting a kidney stone is worse. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I have so, had a kidney. I have had a kidney stone. <laughs> I can tell you from direct experience, there was a lot of whatever that word is. Go <laughs> we, we were talking about uh, uh, hemorrhoids uh, earlier <laughs> fr- from a personal statement. If someone has hemorrhoids, is that defecation execration? Oh my God. <laughs> I uh, can keep going. I'm here all day. This is going it, down it's shouted out as an exclamation execration. <laughs> it, it is an exclamatory execratory. Yes. <laughs> all right. Let's see what Tia has to say here. Tia, hello there. How are you? Does the amount of time you shadow for matter? What would you suggest is a good amount of time for shadowing? Does shadowing late in undergrad years, junior or senior year matter? One all shadowing matters. Yes. yes. It all matters. Yes. Yeah. It, there, there's no one number that we can give you. Yeah. Uh, we typically talk about, or I typically talk about uh, consistency mm-hmm. um, and recency. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, don't go get like a hundred hours freshman year summer and go, okay, I'm done. I'm right? done. Um, because then it, it potentially shows that you're just checking off the boxes and you're really right. not interested in being around doctors. And so um, consistency, recencies, if, if you can get one day a, uh, a month every few months, um, then great. Shadowing over time gets really, really boring. I was Again, I was talking to another student yesterday who's uh, a military corpsman. And so he's basically like a paramedic EMT type in the military. And he's out here shadowing. He's like, it's really, really boring. Because I'm like, I do this stuff in the, in the military. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's kind of boring. Um, but I, t- I asked him to 
to kind of switch his mindset that he's not there to see the medicine. He's there to explore the field of medicine, Mm -hmm. the career of a physician and look at it from that angle, because that he has not experienced as a Mm -hmm. foreman in the, in the military. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Abood for schools that don't participate in rolling admissions. There are a few of them and uh, our friends up North as well. And I mentioned that interview dates don't fill up until the deadline. Is there a disadvantage in applying later in the cycle? For example, September. Potentially not. If they truly, truly don't uh, participate in rolling admissions. Now, there are some schools that don't understand what rolling admissions is. I've I've learned about recently. A student was telling me uh, the school's like, oh, we don't do rolling admissions. But they're like, well, do you start handing out interviews um, now? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, that's rolling rolling admissions. (laughs) You may not make your decisions until later. Right. But right. if you're interviewing people before you gather all of the applications, like after the deadline or up until the deadline, and then make decisions for interviewing, like that's 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 rolling. That's right. I would even say if you're giving secondaries in the order they came in instead of all at once, that's rolling. Hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. It depends on what they're doing with the secondaries. Are they reviewing them? Yeah. I, th- I think potentially is, yeah. is the, the other side of question. that. Yeah. But still even just allowing time to write, you know, yep. people who apply earlier then have longer to work on them often. Um, yep. mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Proceed with caution, Abud. Yep. Gabriel, GPA 3.0, round 3.0, but is the key word here that I immediately picked out, but 3,000 plus clinical hours and 250 plus job shadowing. Do you think a postback is worth the large amount of money? Yep. Gabriel, activities do not make up for a poor GPA. Mm-hmm. Poor GPA or good GPA does not make up for a lack of activities. There's, there's no making up for anything in this uh, process. Right. They all That's stand right. alone. That's right. So you could, you could have 300,000 clinical hours. If you haven't proven that you are going to be successful academically in medical school, they will not touch you. Yep. And that's good for you. It's, it's saving you money, right? <laughs> Why get into med school debt when you're not going to be able to pass? So you haven't proven yeah. that you'll be able to pass. Yeah. Yeah. Ahmed, I have decided to apply next cycle. However, uh, it's possible to work with maps from now in advance to have a perfect app as much as possible and improve any weak points I might have. Thank you. All right. Our plant is working. <laughs> Ahmed, thank you for asking this question. I don't know why. <laughs> no, I, I don't know who this is. Um, it, is it possible? Yes, it is. It is possible. Yep. Uh, we typically start working with full application cycle students kind of December, January timeframe. Mm-hmm. Is it possible to do it now? Mm-hmm. Potentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're definitely getting a lot of people asking this question right now. And it's, it's just been a big spike just in the last week or so. So it's yeah. like something happened after 4th of July. Everyone was like, okay, I'm ready to think about next year. Um, especially if you have a concern about whether or not you are ready to apply or a concern, not just, you know, you had said a perfect app as much as possible, Ahmed, but then you also said improve any weak points. Um, if a weak point is, oh no, I didn't realize that I got a C minus in a prereq and I have to retake it. You need fall semester to do that. Or if the weak point is, 
the work you were calling clinical was actually just admin. You want as many months as possible to go get clinical. So I think it's a really good time of year to sign up for a single session um, with one of us to do a kind of, am I ready to apply or what am I missing before I apply? Um, Because if you're in great shape, then you can kind of rest easy until it's a little, you know, again, you can start now. Most people tend to start late fall or um, early winter. Um, So, you know, November, December, January. Um, But if you, uh, if you do have issues, then you have some time to go work on some of them that are some of those issues that are outside of us. Um, So, so definitely feel free to inquire. You can go to the website. You can email us at info at map.com. There's also a contact us on the website. So for you, Ahmed, but for anyone else with similar questions, um, uh, it's a little hard to take on a bunch of full application cycle students right now, because we're still helping the ones in this year. So traditionally those, those kind of 10 month programs start a little later in the year, but we can, we can still help people get started if they're ready. Mm -hmm. Correct. I muted myself. Bernadette, is patient sitting a good activity if I need clinical hours or would you prefer an activity like ED tech? Scott, what do you think about this? So patient sitting, typically patients may be delirious. They may be combative. They need just someone to hang out with them, make sure they're not getting out of bed, um, taking out IV lines, that kind of stuff. Um, Thoughts on on that as clinical experience versus something potentially a little more hands-on like an ED tech? Yeah, I, I think that uh, patient sitting can be instructive, but it's, it's somewhat passive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, you may not get as much um, out of it uh, as you would an ED tech type type job. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, it kind of depends at this point in, in what you're qualified to do. If you could get an ED tech job, um, that would be, you know, that would be good. Um, uh, I don't know about the financial part of it in terms of patient sitting. You know, a lot of times those are volunteer type positions as opposed to a ED tech would be a, you know, potentially a paid position. So, yeah. Uh, another nope, not another one from, from that. <laughs> I did notice that uh, our our friend decided to change her screen name. I don't know. I I, I encourage them to keep it because now I feel like I'm never going to forget you, execration. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I I think that's perfect. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Me too. <laughs> Yeah. And, I, and, and it, it would have been even better if it was a Dalmatian as the profile picture and not the, the Westie, I think, that it was. It was not spelled out in execration. Oh, Madison oh. asks, I was accepted off of the wait list to my top choice medical school on Monday. Woo-hoo! It's not a question. It's a celebration. Execration celebration. Uh, thank you all so much for the resources and advice over the years. Maps are really helped me with applying last year. Oh, awesome. That's awesome, Madison. Madison. Congratulations. It's awesome news. Yeah. I mean, can we? <clears throat> nice. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> I love to execrate when I celebrate. <sighs> oh, <laughs> that's the best God. word ever. How have I not known about this word? 
I love it. I love it. Sarah asks, how are shadowing hours viewed when completed with other health professionals, such as CRNAs? Mm. Uh, they are viewed exactly as that, that you're potentially out there exploring other healthcare fields mm-hmm. and the hopefully majority and recency of your hours are, are with physicians. Yeah. Yeah. Harrison asks, last cycle, I was rejected with a 510 MCAT and greater than 3.9 GPA. As a reapplicant, my stats are the same and I've gained clinical experience by working as a scribe, shadowing, et cetera. Should I retake my MCAT if R? If R, rejected? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So, um, so reapplying, my, my, let's, let's assume here, Harrison is currently in the cycle with the same stats. Um, is he, I, I, I'm assuming he's asking if he gets rejected again, mm-hmm. should he retake the MCAT? And you may have to just depending yeah. on MCAT expiration dates. Right. Um, a 510 MCAT is only one and a half ish points off of the average for matriculated medical students. It's probably not your MCAT score. It's definitely not your GPA. And so it sounds like you right. got some clinical experience and shadowing and all that, which is a huge issue for students not yeah. getting into medical yeah. school. Yeah. Yep. yep. And then, of course, Harrison, we don't know how your essays look. We don't know if you got interviews. We don't know how you interviewed. Yep. Um, so, so, yeah, uh, like, like Ryan says, you may have to retake the MCAT depending on how old that score already is if you're going to have to apply again next year. But... Uh, right now, my gut is it was something else. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yep, yep. Which uh, potentially just a, a mention for a, a new series we have coming soon uh, where we'll, um, similar to application renovation, where we kind of do kind of a postmortem of your application, try to help figure out why you didn't get in. We're going to be doing it before you apply, hopefully you apply and, and uh, it'll be anonymous. So you won't have to be on screen with us, uh, but you'll submit parts of your essays, things like that. Um, and we will review them and give feedback to, to really help, uh, help students understand mistakes that they may be making before they submit their application so all right have we figured out is that the name application i don't know if it's definitely an application investigation or not but i figured yeah. that was good for a banner to explain the concept yeah so yes uh, i had mentioned at the top we're taking um suggestions on new names for ask the dean to make it more general so ask map ask an advisor ask ask the expert something like that yep. so if you guys have ideas we'd love to hear it um and then similar with this thing we talked to well i think brian your original brainchild was a play off of the tv show csi so it was going to be yep. like psi personal statement investigation yeah but then we started thinking like we could do that with every part of the application yeah um and this doesn't displace Am I Ready? So if you guys are a big fan of that show with Dr. Wright, that'll still happen. But Am I Ready is often happening months before people apply. It's sort of more like what I was saying a few moments ago. It's checking in to make sure you're in good shape to apply, where this is more, now I have a PS written. Will you, will you look at it and tell me how to make it better? Mm-hmm. So yeah, name ideas, welcome. Yep. Yep. Name, name that, name that content. Uh, Robert, 
I'm almost done with my AA degree. My transcripts is full of B's and C's. Should I take less classes to focus more on getting A's, even though it pushes my timeline back? Well, Robert, I think the question is, what are you taking now? Are you taking like 10 classes at one time? That would be a lot. And you should probably slow your roll a little bit. If you're taking three classes or four classes, 12 credits total, that's barely full time. Then the question is, where else are you struggling? What else mm-hmm. commitment wise do you have? Are you also working full time? Do you have other responsibilities like you're a parent and a spouse and all this other stuff? So you, you really need to look a big picture at everything going on. I don't think mm-hmm. it's e- as easy as take less credits because right. I think there may be something else. Yeah, a lot of reflection uh, here, Robert's going to be important. I think uh, I think really evaluating from a from a deep perspective, why are you making B's and C's? That's going to be a really crucial question for you to ask yourself and to understand where is this struggle? Is it a time constraint because you have commitments, or is it a uh, is there a learning disability here potentially uh, at work? You know what's going on here that's causing you to not be. Uh, as successful as you want to be, need to be uh, in the in the process. I think the the timeline issue here needs to take a back seat to you really evaluating what's what's happening here. Uh, because if you can't come to the, a, a strong conclusion about why you're making B's and C's, the timeline's not going to matter. The mm-hmm. the point here is you've got to figure out what what's going on academically. Yep. Tarth asks, I've done most of my ECs aimed at two different aspects of me that I want to show to adcoms. First red flag. Um, I'll I'll come back to that. (laughs) Given that my application will have two quote looks, will my AMCAS fall apart and not be centered on a thing? So Scott, this is a very common strategy that at least I, maybe maybe you disagree, um, think is the wrong angle to take with applying to medical school. Turth is basically trying to force these narratives into, it sounds mm-hmm. like the application. I really need to show you that I'm interested in this thing. So I'm going to do all of these things to focus on this narrative. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I find students do this. Uh, they, they pick a list of things that they think is important, uh, qualities or traits or skills that physicians have. And then they think they assume that that's what medical schools are looking for. And then they force their narratives and, and activities around those things and all their activity mm-hmm. descriptions and personal statement are around forcing those things versus just like do what you want yeah. and get some clinical experience and get some shadowing and, and just tell that story of, of how right. these things are affecting you and impacting yeah. you. Yeah. What, are, what are your thoughts on, on Turth's angle here? Yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying, uh, Ryan. I, I think that it it can uh, potentially come across as fake, as as uh, you, you know, as just what you've described, Ryan. In, in that you're creating a narrative. Now, the question in the minds of admissions committee members or a, a reader of your application would be: Is this you know what am, what am I reading here that's real, and what am I reading here that's manufactured? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it, it, it's really important to to be you and to be clear with who you are, uh, tell your story, 
be compelling in how you tell that story. And uh, I, I worry a lot about uh, when you say, uh, worrying, uh, given that my application will have two looks. The question in my mind immediately when you say that is, which is the real look? Well, you know, wh- 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 what's real here? Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if, if it comes across as being uh, uh, two looks, as you, as you stated, that, that's, in my view, going to be uh, uh, cause for a pause on the, on the a part of an admissions committee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, oh, I was going to chime in, but you know what? It's not that relevant. (laughs) (laughs) We want to hear your point of view too, Rachel. Uh, Here's what I was going to say that I think is missing with questions like that is empathy for the admissions committee. People Mm -hmm. have this idea that admissions committees are a monolith. Like it's this secret Ivy tower. It's this giant block and there's an agenda that they have and they're not telling you. And while yes, the system is opaque and yes, there are unwritten rules. And I think that's, execration (laughs) Um, you have to allow for the fact that these are real human beings who are trying to find people who will be successful in medical school and match into residency they're looking for future doctors Mm -hmm. and if you try to play them in any way it's most likely going to do a disservice because when you're in admissions and you've read literally thousands of applications year after year you get a pretty good nose for authenticity. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I'm seeing Scott uh, nodding here as someone who's been the director of admissions. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, what I always hear you say is that you're looking for that breath of fresh air of someone who's just real. Yep. Um, so, exactly so, yeah, right. I think um, the idea that you can create a facade and get it past them um, I mean, aside from, I think, genuinely being a bad idea, I think potentially alienates your reader. Yeah. If they catch on to it and like, you know, people are good at detecting lies when they read a bunch of lies. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been reading essays now for several years. I, I wouldn't claim to be the world's most preeminent expert on, on reading these things and evaluating essays. I'm good at it. And, and I'll literally, my, my method of, of reviewing a personal statement is I just, I start at the top and I go down. I, I don't read it first and then go back up and leave comments. I, I read, I leave comments. I read, I leave comments. I read and leave comments. And I very often will write a comment that says this type of uh, framework that you're setting up here, I assume is going to be so that you can tell me later that you have these skills or you can do X, Y, or Z. And, and I'll leave it there and then I'll read, read, read. And I go, aha, see, here's exactly what I thought you were going to do. Mm-hmm. Right. As a reader, that's a distraction. That's pulling me away from trying to connect with you and your story. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. All right, last question here. Jared, the lucky winner, when do we get worried about not getting a secondary? Should I email the school? No, you do not email schools about secondaries. They'll either send you one or they won't send you one. I will preface that with, if you know 1,000% that a school does not screen for secondaries, you applied and you have not received one, then potentially just reach out and go, hey, I applied to your school. I'm 
I, I, I'm under the impression that you don't screen for secondaries. I just haven't seen it. Can, can you let me know if there's anything wrong with the transmission of my application that, that I may need to contact the, the uh, central application service about? Mm-hmm. So. But before you do that, you've checked spam and promotions and updates yeah. and every possible preset filter that your email may have hidden that secondary. Yep. <laughs> Which is another, another like thing that I, I keep talking. I, talk, I was talking about it yesterday too, about like email service built into mapped. So <sighs> we'll, we'll, we'll get it there. All right. Uh, we, we, uh, we uh, ended with that last one there. So yeah. no mas preguntas. Uh, <laughs> um, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Um, we are the MAPS team minus Verinia and minus Courtney, who's joining us next week for her first Ask the Dean or Yay. whatever it, it will be called um, uh, moving <laughs> forward. So we appreciate all of you for showing up. Don't forget to check out uh, mapped.com. Mapped app is basically free right now. Mm-hmm. And, and has been for a little while. We don't talk about it a lot. When we first released Mapped app, it almost nothing was free. And as we've changed and iterated and grown and listened to feedback, groaned, <laughs> grew. <laughs> um, we groaned along the way too. Yeah. Inspiratory <laughs> groans. Um, um, we, we have oh made almost all of mapped app currently as it's sitting now free. The one thing that if you want to upgrade to mapped app pro is you get to communicate with mapped advisors about anything on your journey. We're not reviewing essays and giving, giving interview feedback in mapped app uh, advising, but um, it, if you have questions, so most of the questions that we get during ask the Dean sessions are, are perfectly suitable and even better in mapped app advising because we can look at your data in mapped app and, and help uh, guide you along the way. So that is, that is the goal. So go to mapped app, um, go sign up. When you sign up, you'll get a, a free two week trial of mapped app pro. So you can, you can hang out and, and chat with an advisor once you get some data in there so we can help guide you and advise you on your journey. With that said, we're out. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, everyone, Thank you. for hanging out and watching and learning. Thank you, Ryan. I'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye, everybody. This is Dr. Gray again, closing out. I hope you learned something from our session today. If you haven't yet checked out Mapped, I invite you to try it for free for two weeks by going to mapped.com slash podcast. Track and navigate your journey to medical school using the only tool like it for pre-meds. We'll see you next week here on Ask the Dean.